Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And it's that time again. Mary Catherine's favorite show is our annual spring gardening show. So we have with us again our gardening experts, Helen May, who's retired from May's Greenhouse, and Don Adamson from Bloomington Valley Nursery. So if you want to go, the phones are ringing already. I love I haven't it. even given the <laughs> It must be the spring right. gardening That's show. Right. The phones are lighting up. Well, if you want to get in line, it's 855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area. And they know about gardening everywhere. So call us from wherever you are today. And you can join the live chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. And if you're in a position to follow us on Twitter, you can also do that at Noon Edition. So we're going to get right to it. The phones are uh, ringing. Carol is on the line, ready to go. Carol from Bloomington, go ahead. Yes, I was just heading outside into my garden and heard that you're on the air with this. Um, My two challenges this year are deer and drought. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's a big club, Carol. <laughs> yes, I'm afraid it is. So I am in the process of thinking about um, changing the look of my garden to take out things that the deer seem to love and put in things that are more um, drought resistant as well as deer resistant. So I'm just wondering, um, in the categories of shrubs and or perennials, if your guests have some suggestions. All right. I'm sure, Great they, question. sure they will have. Let's start with uh, – Don, I'll start with you. Well, the main th- – I would say check with uh, the garden center or either Mays or Bloomington Valley, and they probably – and they have lists of plants – that are less susceptible to deer damage. There's there's a lot of different things. I know shrub-wise, uh, we were talking before we went on the air, boxwood is one of the, the great deer-resistant shrubs, and uh, there are a lot of others. But uh, the best thing would be get you a list and, and keep checking on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, those lists are really handy because they also will say what – what works well in you know different amounts of sunlight and things like that too. Right, and the uh, you know the deer have their favorites. There's not that many that's deer proof. The boxwood I mentioned is pretty well deer proof, but there's not that many. But there's some they don't like as well as others. Mm-hmm. Okay, Helen. Lilacs are are pretty much ironclad as far as deer are concerned. So you they, mean they they don't care? They for don't. Them? They don't. They've never bothered mine, and I've had some things eaten to the ground. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I suspect if you want something that will withstand a little drier conditions and uh, not be too much favored by deer, that you might try mock orange. Oh, those now, are lovely. I love them. Yes. When they're in bloom, they're gorgeous. They tend to be a little leggy unless you can get a smaller a dwarf or variety. But there is quite a bit of choice in them if you shop around. And they smell so they beautiful. They smell divine. Oh, they're yes. I have also found that uh, they don't bother my um, abelias. Now, i am uh, not had them very long, so I can't guarantee that. <laughs> but, that, yeah, they've chewed the tops off my yucca plants and uh, mm. my, eat my ewes almost to the ground and my wild cedars. Uh, <laughs> But uh, spruce generally are safe, uh, and there are some dwarf spruce if you don't have room for big ones. Um, and yep. as Don said, a list would be the most helpful right. thing. There are a lot of garden books with lists of deer of resistant right. plants you might consult uh, from the library or wherever. Yeah, they're like teenagers, though. If they get hungry enough, they'll eat anything. And now, the drought thing, sorry, Don, did I interrupt you? I was, I was just going to say, if you, if you need large plants, they've, they've finally come out with arborvita that are available in this area that are deer-resistant. 
and because uh, in the past arborvitae have been a big problem and deer love them but mm-hmm. i know bloomington valley does have some deer resistant arborvitae at this time mm-hmm. and they'll make a large plant if you're looking for large mm-hmm. plant of course as helen mentioned the spruce are another good large plant mm-hmm. you should avoid azaleas because deer will eat azaleas. Very late on that. Uh, They also will eat almost any bulbs, except some of the miniature early things like dwarf iris bulbs and and daffodils. Daffodils They will leave your daffodils alone, and there's a large choice there Mm -hmm. of varieties and sizes. So if you want spring-blooming bulbs, that might be the direction to go in. Well, I just have to say that the latest thing that I tried with my tulips, which are pretty much history. (laughs) That's like candy for them. Is to take some rose prunings. I have a climbing rose and kind of surround the, the bulb area with the roses. And I'm hoping the thorns will discourage them. So we'll see what happens. All right. Good luck. Thank you. All right, Carol. Kind of a deer booby trap. I like that idea. <laughs> yeah, with the, the <laughs> passive booby trap. <laughs> right. All right, let's go to Pat from Terre Haute. Pat, do we have Pat from Terre Haute? Yes. No, oh, there we go. Hey, Pat. Um, I have a problem. I'm hoping you might uh, give some thought to. Um, I live in the city and uh, have a couple of city lots with a garden plot, which has been very productive in past years. Um, Last year, uh, the garden was a total failure, even though I watered liberally. Um, I understand that uh, walnut trees in an adjacent lot may be my problem. Um, Squirrels have planted over the years uh, several walnut trees, which now are large trees. And... um, I understand that they put out a toxin into the soil. That's uh, right, from the roots. Mm-hmm. Yes, and of course, uh, these trees now are of a size that those roots are coming uh, over into all of my property. Uh, do you have any suggestion of anything I can do, any way that I can have a garden? Are we talking just a general garden garden, or we want... Vegetables specifically. Uh, vegetables. Uh, the, I have uh, bushes and flowers and so forth. Mm-hmm. The uh, my I had a nice rhubarb plot which has pretty much died away. Aww. And um, uh, everything uh, planted last year, in spite of all the watering, was just a mm-hmm. failure. The only thing that has uh, endured have been. Um, scallions and um, uh, garlic mm-hmm. and um, um, I just I love to have a garden and um, there's nothing I can do about these walnut trees um, uh, you might have to uh, provide a root free zone you can do that by having a raised bed built with a liner under it of heavy-duty plastic, you will have to be sure that the bed is not too broad. Uh, It doesn't matter about the length, but the drainage will all be out the side. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if it's too wide, it'll stay too wet in the middle, maybe. But you can then bring in fresh soil and put in that raised bed, and it should work pretty well. Uh, I would recommend every few years going around the edge of the bed with a spade end or something to be sure there are no roots trying to penetrate um, through any crack that shows up or anything. That's kind of extreme. You might check for a list of plants that are not troubled by walnuts. I know uh, there is a short list available, right. but I don't know if there are any vegetables on it. I know that tomatoes and beans are just hopeless. Yeah, uh-huh. proved to be true last mm-hmm. And um, the county agent told me the only thing he knew that you could grow well around walnut trees was 
Kentucky bluegrass. Mm. <laughs> that, uh, yeah. I have a grapevine a, climbing up. Uh, a, there are some some roses or some plants, uh, including a few varieties of roses. Uh, I think they they used to have a list at the county at extension to May's office. greenhouse, yeah, and the county yeah. extension office may have a list. But if it doesn't list any vegetables, I have great success growing peppers and tomatoes in containers, mm-hmm. uh, which can be done pretty successfully. And I suspect you could do the same with beans and the like if you grew something like pole beans mm-hmm. that would provide a, a fairly big crop for the small amount of uh, soil taken up. Mm-hmm. Other than just getting somebody in with a bulldozer to rip those roots uh, out, which your neighbor probably wouldn't like. <laughs> well, that's uh, a property. They don't care. Well, and the thing is the... <laughs> well, there you go. Won't the toxins still the be The roots soil? laying in the ground, if they aren't yanked out somehow, will still exude that toxin, and fallen leaves will exude, uh, will mm-hmm. contain the toxin, too, from the walnuts. Will the scallions and garlic be okay? Sure, I think yeah. so. Well, yeah. they've uh, survived last summer and um, are in the ground now and, and are green. But uh, it's very disappointing because this is wonderful soil that has been amended uh, a lot over the years. And now it's just um, just terribly discouraging. Yeah, that is a, that's a part. The built-up beds would probably be about the <clears throat> sure way. Yeah. Well, um, I have just... Uh, tried thinking what what can I do what can I do you know that my land is now pretty worthless as far as being able to grow anything so I would say to all further uh, all gardeners beware of walnut trees that's yeah, correct that's right yeah. I, I give mine a dirty look every day well, <laughs> squirrels we have a lot of squirrels and of course the more walnut trees you have the more squirrels uh, the more uh, the squirrels have food and the more squirrels you have so um, it's really turned into an awful problem for me. All right. Well, we're sorry about that. We hope that, uh, well, it sounds like both Don and Helen gave you some some yes, possibilities. The, so The raised bed sounds yeah. like, uh, and uh, uh, growing some things in containers as well. Mm-hmm. So thank you very much. All well, right. Thanks good luck, Pat. Call. I hope you have a good growing season this year. I do, too. <laughs> All right. We're going to go uh, next to Joel from Bloomington. Joel? Hi. Hello, everybody. Hi. 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 We purchased our home uh, a little over three years ago, and after making the improvements that we wanted to do inside, we figured it was time to look at the outside of the house. I was just wondering if you guys have any advice or tips on hiring landscape contractors or landscape companies. Of course, I've always worked with Bloomington Valley, and so I would recommend <laughs> that. They, they can do any of it, but uh, there's a lot of others also. Our greenhouse has never uh, done landscaping because it started as a family business. Uh, my father and my mother and four daughters, so we didn't want to dig big holes. <laughs> but um, Bloomington Valley... Um, has uh, Mother Earth is a, a very good company. They do excellent work. What you want to look for is someone who has insurance for their employees, mm-hmm. workman's yes. comp, because if you turn any of this in as a, an expense on your taxes, uh, right. everything will be checked out. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And also, you uh, want to check with your if you're having something like trees cut or something major done. Uh, check with your homeowners and see if you're covered in case uh, something falls on the house or Do, so Does on. he need to make sure somebody on their staff is either like a certified arborist or a certified uh, dis- landscape designer or master gardener or what kind of um, Well, Bloomington Valley has a, a licensed uh, landscape architect and, and all the licensed people that that you would need, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, Donna, right, well, oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah we've looked at, um, you know, we've researched some online, and, of course, Craigslist has a ton of listings, and it's just we get a variety and a wide gamut of, you know, from people who are just on their own. Yeah, make sure they're out. bonded. Yeah. 
Don, okay. from, Don, from your perspective, I mean, what, what questions should be asked of, of a company? I mean, what, what are maybe misunderstandings that people have gotten into that you're, you've heard of? Well, it depends on how extensive they're looking at going into landscaping because uh, by having uh, the trained people, the, the architects and the, the trained plant people, I know they're, they've got licensed. Mm-hmm. The state does license uh, people for the, the ability to do it now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so that's, that's one thing yep. to look at. But, uh, and if you're doing extensive work, like having uh, masonry walls built or a pond of considerable size, uh, having your driveway reorganized or right. something of that nature, uh, you uh, should be sure that uh, they are, uh, as I said before, covered for insurance should any of their people be injured. Right. And that uh, covered, hopefully, in case they tear something up at your house that they don't fix. Yeah. Uh, and you should get a written contract, if you can, on the... Uh, what's to be done right. and the uh, price that's anticipated. Mm-hmm. Of course. You the may... first, first step is getting a design. Yeah, I like a schematic or a, a drawing. Right. Yeah. That's, that's the first thing. In other words, to put plans together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, speaking of design, um, I know some companies offer uh, you know, a design for free. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if those companies, you know, it's like a, a bait and switch or a catch, um, <laughs> you know, when they offer something like that. In most cases, uh, if it's free, they they don't have the trained people ah. in, in, in a lot of cases. <coughs> when I started out right after high school at a garden center, not my parents, but another place, <laughs> They had me do simple drawings for people to give them some idea of what was being done. Of course, back in those days for them, this involved some evergreens and some shrubs around the house Mm -hmm. and maybe a a walk change with no serious detail. Uh, And they made no charge for that. But if you are charged for a plan, it should be pretty well complete Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it should be something that you like. If you don't like it, they should uh, change it unless they can give you some specific reasons, such as drainage or something, why it needs to go the way, it, way, yeah. way it's planned. Uh, all right, Joel. Hope, you're, uh, hope you got some good advice there. Sounds like you have an exciting summer ahead of you. Good luck. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, Joel. All right. We uh, have nobody on hold now. So if you have questions for uh, Don and Helen, please call us at 855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington calling area. We're looking for tweets. If you have any, if you want to follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition, hashtag gardening. Uh, hashtag gardening. Yeah. Okay. You know, we're coming out of a terrible drought last year, and I'm wondering what effects, uh, Don, you as an arborist and, and uh, Helen, you as a, a more of a gardener, what effects uh, people can anticipate seeing in their yards this year from that? Well, most of the effects have been evident over the over the winter, I know there's a lot of dead plants still sitting around as results of last summer's drought. And uh, right now, this year, we have pretty good rain, but we don't know how long it's going to last. Mm-hmm. True to form, as we get into the summer, why we will have another drought. Mm-hmm. Hopefully mm-hmm. not as severe as last year. Mm-hmm. But uh, but the main thing is, uh, as, as I mentioned, you can see dead plants around that are still there as results of last summer. Yeah, that need to be removed. And it made it, uh, I know a lot of them just showed up more this winter mm-hmm. as results of the, the stress. Did we get enough precipitation over the fall and winter to replenish the soil so it's at a, a decent level now? 
I mean, we're we're at a decent level, but true to true to form, as we get into the summer, it's going to be dry again. Right, right. right. Did, did the fact that it was still snowing on April first make any difference at all? <laughs> well, well, snow helps. Can't hurt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, it helps. But there's really not a lot of moisture in it right. unless it's really wet and deep. You know, that was light snows don't amount right. to much. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, we've uh, we're going. Well, I wanted to give Helen a crack at that real okay, quick. Sure. So, what, well, if a, if you have. Uh, Plants that were new last year, mm-hmm. uh, be very careful to see that they don't get too dry this summer if they're still mm-hmm. alive. Don't be too big a hurry to just rip everything out until it's had a chance to possibly leaf out again. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, if it's part alive and part dead, you're going to have to make a decision whether there's enough alive that you want to try to keep it or whether uh, you want it yanked out. If if you have dead wood in it and you decide to keep it, it needs to be pruned mm-hmm. and cleaned up. And I would apply mulch on everything mm-hmm. that you can early while the soil is moist, mm-hmm. and it will help to retain some of that moisture that you need. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times the fertilizing will bring back some of the plants that suffered from the uh, drought last summer. They may have some damage in, and a good shot of uh, fertilizer can... Uh, can bring some of them back. Hmm. Great. Okay, the uh, switchboard has uh, lighted up. We have now. a bunch. So let's go first. <laughs> I believe first is Barb from Bloomington. Uh, yes. Hi, Hello. Barb. Hi. Hi. I have a question about semi-dwarf fruit trees, and in particular my peach trees. They keep um, having, you know, the vertical uh, branches that go up. You know, it looks like, uh, you know, broomsticks going up, and I trim them off, and it just keeps doing it and doing it. And is that a sign it needs more fertilizer, less fertilizer? One thing with fruit trees, you do not want to use a lot of nitrogen fertilizer because that uh, causes a lot of growth. But all all of the fruit trees do need drastic pruning. Uh, yeah throughout the year and but they will send out those quick shoots but make sure they don't get too much nitrogen because that that will cause that they need a a higher phosphate fertilizer okay all right thank you okay thanks barb thanks a lot barb uh sandy from northern brown county is next sandy hi i have um i had a pair of holly bushes in my yard I don't know that they ever bloomed, but we did lose one when part of the garden had to be dug up in January. And I'd like to know if there's a way to tell whether I have a male or a female without buying uh, a new pair. The only time, and it takes a kind of an educated eye to look at it when they're in bloom. Mm. But that is the only the only time you can really tell. Some of them, is it an evergreen holly? Or a deciduous. I have no idea. Did, did it drop it? Does it drop its leaves in the winter? No. Okay, so it would be evergreen. Uh, some varieties of those we can tell by looking at the leaves, but the only true way is to look at it when it's in bloom. Okay, last year it did. I thought it was going to bloom. It had little tiny white, like berries, very tiny though, mm-hmm. all over. But they they didn't develop into anything. Well, when when those little buds develop and you watch, and if they open and you see petals, cut a piece off and take it to a nurseryman, and okay. he can probably tell you whether it's a male or female flower. Okay. Because yeah, when, they, the, when they open up. The interior parts are different, so mm-hmm. All right. uh, that would be a way to check on it. Who knew? Who knew? Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Sandy. Thanks for that question. Boy, we, we learn stuff every That's year. a good one. I, I had no idea. Uh, Charlie <laughs> is next. Charlie from Bloomington. Charlie? Uh, thank you for taking my call. I bought a new house over on the west side that used to be old farmland, and it seems like the stuff they call topsoil is mostly clay. What do I need to do to get this grass growing in it? And do I put grass seed down now and deal with the crab grass later, or do I deal with the crab grass now and seed it later? Which comes first? 
Well, you may, uh, if you need to do, <clears throat> excuse me, if you need to do a lot of soil work, uh, I would recommend going ahead and get get your get some compost or or manure on it to improve the soil situation first, and and then uh, you can get seed down. But but you, as you indicated, the, you will get a lot of crabgrass coming in as the season progresses. Okay, so it, I mean, I it, it looks like nasty soil. I assume it's mostly clay. So basically, some compost is what you would do. Some bomb, or you you may add topsoil to all of it. If it's really bad, you would be better off to go ahead and go to the trouble of getting good topsoil on it rather than trying to just work the bad soil. That's a pay-me-now-or-pay-me-later situation. That's right. And you're better off to take the time to get good soil on it before you do any seeding. In the front of the house, they put side down, and it, the, the drought and the heat pretty much cooked it. Is What would you recommend to try and nurse that back to life or whatever well it should be if it's going to survive it should be starting to green up now okay and uh if it is greening up you can fertilize and you can also seed over the top of that okay if if it's starting to green up okay well it's starting to but you know it's probably going to snow tomorrow or something that's okay that won't hurt it (laughs) (laughs) all right that's right Uh, all right thanks charlie you can you can seed and have snow on it and with grass. Right. Yeah, that's it fine. Doesn't matter at all. That adds nitrogen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right, we're going to take one more phone call before our break, and it's Bob from Martinsville. Hello. Hey, go ahead. I have a a water worm problem, and my sweet potatoes they just eat them up like crazy. They, you know how to get rid of water worm. Water worm. I would have to look it up. Uh, it's, um, you probably should grow something other than plants that the wireworm will attract, will eat on for two or three years. Uh, but you should check, do you have an area extension agent you could check with? Uh, What used to? Uh, So I live in Davies County. Oh, okay. Davies County. All right. Um. Wireworm, uh, if I remember correctly, will also attack potatoes, Jerusalem artichokes, carrots, uh, several crops that grow underground. And your best bet would be to try to grow some fibrous rooted thing there that they wouldn't uh, want to attack for two or three years and move your... Uh, root crops to a fresh soil if you can. Mm-hmm. Now, if you can't, I suspect there's probably some kind of an insecticide treatment, but I'm not up to date enough uh, to recommend what it might be. I have some local uh, nursery or garden center or farm store might be able to recommend something for you. Yeah, okay. Well, I live on the sand, and it's hard to get anything to grow. You know, oh, yeah, sweet. Yeah. Um, turnips, they don't bother the turnips at all. Right. So. Well, some things have to do with the time of year when the insect is active. Now, if you sow fall turnips, it may be that they've, you know, already passed their their active stage and have hatched out mm-hmm. uh, and are dormant for the fall or whatever they do. I would have to look this up, but I suspect if you've got a... a uh, local office of some agriculture department, they could probably give you information. All right, Bob, thanks. We we appreciate the call. Good luck. Uh, All right, our numbers are 8550811 or 877-285-9348. You can join a live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. You can follow us on Twitter at noon edition, hashtag gardening. So um, we will be right back and take all of your questions. You're listening to Noon Edition. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville. Information at smithville.net. 
You can take WFIU with you by downloading our podcasts directly to your PC, Mac, or MP3 player. Programs such as Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, and short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, and Play and Opera Reviews are all available on demand. Pick them up at WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? The WFIU news team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting South Central Indiana. Catch the Friday feature just after 8.30 during Morning Edition, just before Noon Edition, and at 5.45 during All Things Considered. They're also archived on our website, WFIU.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. We're talking about gardening today with Helen May, who's retired from May's Greenhouse, and Don Adamson, who's from Bloomington Valley Nursery. If you uh, have questions about your garden, please phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. You can ask a question by going to our live chat, wfiu.org. Slash Noon Edition. You can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition, hashtag gardening. We've had a question coming. We have. Um, We had someone call in. They want to know a resource for a heritage species, winter onion. Um, They've checked around a little bit and um, uh, haven't had any luck so far. But, Helen, you had an idea about this? Well, there there are several kinds of onions that aren't grown very much, and it's hard to find stars. There's a potato onion, and there's uh, the Egyptian or walking onion mm-hmm. that has starts on the top. Uh, there's elephant garlic. Um, your best bet would be either to look in uh, some book from the library that specifically talks about onions so that you get a name that's, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And I would go to city market and ask those mm-hmm. growers if they knew anyone who grew these, and you can get a start, and generally, once you have a start, you you have them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the farmer's market in Bloomington begins tomorrow, That's the right, outdoor right. farmer's market. I, I looked online for you, and it also mentions, uh, well, Egyptian, of course, as you mentioned, the walking onion, as you mentioned, hill, Japanese, and radar are other varieties that I've never heard of before, but... Yeah. Okay. So something to try out. Okay. All right. Let's go back to the phones. And uh, we have Jeremy first from Bedford. Jeremy? Oh. Hi. Um, <laughs> I uh, I just recently purchased a an undeveloped property down in Lawrence County. Um, I'm trying to – I'm living off the grid down there, and I'm trying to make it into a self-sustainable sort of uh, garden farm situation. But I'm overrun by thorn bushes. So I was wondering if you had any suggestions on how to clear those out and get good soil going for growing a garden. Of course, the obvious answer is very carefully. <laughs> yeah, <right>. Don? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist, Jeremy. <laughs> Some of the uh, the sprays will will kill them without messing your soil up, but you will have to have green foliage on them and, uh, I know, in order to kill them, but be careful because I know Roundup at this point is putting pre-emergent in with their spray. Now there is one available uh, called Killzall that has no pre-emergent. So whatever you use to kill them, number one, they will have to be growing first, and uh-huh. and number two, make sure there's not a pre-emergent because that would affect anything else that you plant later. Okay. Uh, is, it, is this a plant that I would have to, like, dig the roots up for them to keep, to keep it from coming back next season? Probably if, if you let it start up good and let it get good growth on you, because the Roundup-type sprays or the Killzall will kill the roots as well. Okay. But you have to get a significant green foliage on it before they will do that. Okay. Yeah, you you don't mind using a, a spray of some sort, do you, Jeremy? Uh, not right now. I mean, it, it'll probably be next season, maybe even the season after, before I get to where yeah. I'm able to have a good water source and, and everything to have a nice garden. Um, so whatever I do this season, I'm not too worried about. 
um, since it'll be another season or two before I actually start planting vegetables and stuff. Right. Okay. You should probably try to identify exactly. I mean, thorn bushes could cover a lot right. of territory. Okay. Uh, find out specifically what kind of plant it is. And again, taking samples to a nursery or garden center, you might get it identified, and that might make a difference in uh, how you would treat it. I okay. mean, if they're if they're blackberries, uh, that's one thing. If they're right. if they're uh, and woody uh, honey locusts or something, that's different mm-hmm. again. Right. And woody plants, in particular, would need different material to spray. But you, uh, like Helen said, that's a good idea. Okay, is that something I would need to wait till it leaves out or blooms mm-hmm. to get identified? Well, probably that would be best. Yeah, and then uh, because any spray put on would have to have foliage in order to kill it. Right. All right. Won't Jeremy. be long okay, now, Jeremy. Good luck. All right. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Ted from Bloomington is next in line. Ted. Oh, hi. Can you hear me? Yeah. Um, I just uh, recently had a soil test done on my soil, mm-hmm. and uh, my soil was uh, pretty, uh, was 7.1, uh, and everything was kind of high. When I started the garden, I used a lot of, I lived near a stable, so I used a lot of horse manure. Uh, so I just wondered, like, if the, you know, the pH is around 7.1, is there something that I could grow that would, you know, like to be in that kind of soil? Are you talking vegetables or shrubs? Yeah, my vegetable garden. Thank you. Uh, I'm 75. My memory fails me sometimes. You probably can find a pH preference listing in almost any vegetable gardening book. Um, and you can lower the pH if you feel it's a little high. 6.5 would be better for a lot of things than 7. 7 is just a little high for many, many crops. Um, My my potatoes didn't really do well last year. I didn't know why. All right. Now, potatoes are something that prefer a somewhat acidic soil. Uh So if you have a bed for potatoes, you could treat with... uh, what is it, Don, besides iron, sulfur and uh, iron, sulfate. iron sulfate? You could treat that bed early on with iron sulfate, uh-huh, uh-huh. being careful not to overdo it, and probably would improve your potato crop. And I'm thinking that beans are about, what, 6.5 or something? I'm not or, up on the vegetables, um, but uh, but you can change the acidity by by get it more acid by using iron sulfate. I've got a list of stuff here that, like, this is between, well, this says 7.5. That's a little higher than what you have. Mm-hmm. But they say alfalfa, uh, Jerusalem artichoke, asparagus, avocado, barley, French beans, beetroot, sugar beet, uh, broccoli, cabbage, uh, cauliflower, celery, cherries, chives, corn. Who knew? Cucumber. Pretty well, ex- pretty good list. Pretty, pretty extensive. One more just brief question. Uh, for my raspberry patch, is it okay to use, like, pine uh, pine needle mulch? I don't see why not, yeah. except that raspberries uh, need something that will break down and become food for the roots, and pine needles are kind of slow to do that. I don't think a little acidity would hurt them, from it, which you probably would get from the pines. But I would try to get some uh, something that would break down, like some chopped leaves or some straw or something uh, in there also. Okay. Because right. they like a rich soil. Okay. okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ted. And uh, Charlotte from Bloomington is next. Charlotte? Yeah, thank you for taking my call. Sure. I- Hi, Charlotte. <laughs> Excuse me. You alerted me to something. Walnut trees. We have a number of. We've tried to grow a number of trees in our on our property, and it's in an area where there's a walnut tree next door. Are now we have to replace them. Uh, what would you suggest will grow there? In near, what happens? To, does the same thing happen to shrubs and 
and trees as happens to other plants? Yes, that's why we mentioned earlier that you need to get a list, uh, and lists are available at the garden centers or the county extension. For for trees and shrubs as well. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's a great uh, awakening. Thank you very much. (laughs) You wish you would have known that sooner, don't you? I wish I would have known that sooner. Several several trees ago, yeah. That's too bad. There's a lot of plants that will not grow there. That's really interesting. Thanks so much. All right, Charlotte. Mm -hmm. Thanks a lot for the call. Our phone numbers are 855-0811-877-285-9348. You can also follow us on wfiu.org slash Noon Edition or at Noon Edition on Twitter. We have a couple more phone calls. Uh, Jean is next. Jean? Hi. Hi. Um, What to do about zucchini plants that collapse? They start out fine. Uh, and we get zucchini off them, and then one morning they're, you know, they're collapsing, or we can see the night before they're about to. And my husband has planted them in different areas. We have plenty of land here to try different spots, and there's some something, a grub or something that gets in the roots, and I don't know if anybody has a solution. Yes, it's it's. I don't know that I have a solution perfectly for you, but... It's quite common. It is the larvae of a moth, I believe. The egg is laid at the base of the plant, and it enters the plant and begins to eat inside the stems. And eventually it gets to a point where it does enough damage that the plant will collapse on you. Mm -hmm. Uh, One thing you can do is to, while the plant is small... Keep it covered with floating row cover or something until it starts to bloom. Floating what? Oh well, it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a cloth like fine net to keep the bugs and things out. You can buy it at garden centers, I believe, or at, like at Farm Bureau or the someplace. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you could just just use if you've got some uh, old tool netting from something. Why well, you could use that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing is that keeps that moth from getting in there. Okay. But when the bloom plant starts to bloom, you have to uncover because uh, it needs the flowers need to be pollinated. Mm. Okay. Uh, the first flowers that start will probably be sterile or male, and you can tell the difference because the the female flowers have actually have a tiny little fruit between the stem and the bloom uh, while they're blooming. Uh, when you begin to see the female flowers, then you will need to provide some way of pollination. And generally what I do then is I go out in the evenings and dust with something uh, like rotenone that isn't too awful uh, around the base of the plant because that's where the eggs will be laid. And um, and the moths generally do this in the nighttime. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then by morning, you'll get new flowers open, so your bees won't be affected. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the only way I've found to, you know, really hold it down. On occasion? Pardon? It does work on occasion? Uh, I have had years when I had good crops with it, and years when I lost a few, and years when I didn't do anything and lost to most of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'll relay this information to my husband. All okay, right. Thank you. Give it a shot. All right, thanks, Jean. Uh, Berta from Spencer has been patient with us. Berta? Yes, hi. Go right ahead. Uh, when will we know whether the winter has killed the shield bugs that infected our local tulip trees last year we know right now <laughs> they'll they will be back <gasps> really now it you'll need enough <laughs> <laughs> you'll need to do a, a systemic treatment uh, if it's small enough dormant oil spray is helpful if you can get it on the top but uh there's a systemic treatment that goes in the soil, and then there's also injection that the nurseries can uh, can do to in, uh, on the larger trees to uh-huh. to take care of it. But uh, it how, will. How expensive is that? Well, uh, you would need to. They can give you a price. Uh, I know they have the, the system that does the injection, and it will last for for like two years longer than the. 
the systemic that you can put on yourself. Mm-hmm. But they, they, Is it several hundred dollars, or what can she expect? Well, depending on how – it wouldn't be several hundred, no, for a small tree. Uh, on a smaller tree, you know, it could be $50 or something like that. But this will devastate our local forests. Well, it, it doesn't hurt the tree that much, really. Seriously? Right. It creates a, a bad mess, but it really doesn't hurt the tree. I just thought with the drought last year and them them seeping sap, that was just <laughs> such a double whammy. You see, the, the, the sap now is kind of a misnomer because it's the droppings from the, uh, the scale. It's, it's but aren't not, they sucking the sap from the tree and that's what their droppings consist of? Yes, but it, it really doesn't hurt the tree. Well, a small one. You're serious about that. If that's the case, then I, can, I won't worry about it so much. We, Don is serious about everything <laughs> when he's in this studio, anyway. <laughs> but uh, but they make an absolute mess. But like I say, it's really not something that you need to worry about killing the tree. It's okay. not. It's okay. not going to kill the tree. Okay, I feel better. Then. All right. Uh, thank you very much. Sure. Thanks for calling, Berta. And let's see, Benji is last. So if you have any, if you have some uh, last-minute calls, you want to get in eight five five zero eight one one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight. And wfiu dot org slash noon edition is the website. So Benji's from Columbus. Benji, go right ahead. Yeah, this is my first year trying to grow anything from seeds, and I was just noticing a lot of the seed packets. You know, I feel like I'm a month behind or so. Uh, is it still viable to plant tomatoes or peppers from seeds? Yes. They won't be quite uh, as early as if you had planted them. I mean, they won't start to fruit quite as quickly, but you're not that far behind. Tomatoes, uh, in a greenhouse, you can get a dandy, big, stout tomato plant in eight weeks, and you shouldn't plant out before probably at least Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. So you've got some time there. Uh, you may not be able to produce as nice a plant that fast if you're doing it in the house. But uh, now peppers take a little longer, so you will be a bit later on peppers. But if you sow them right away, and they should germinate at roughly 70 degrees, and they'll do better if they have some light available. What I generally do if I'm growing seedlings in the house is I, I buy a seedling mix that's sterile. Uh, I plant according to directions in it in a flat or something. And then I lay a piece of clear plastic over, not tight, but just enough to keep the moisture from disappearing too fast. And generally, the tomatoes, if they're warm enough, will be up in seven, eight days at the very most. All right, Benji. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. They are. He's okay. taking notes. I think. Okay. <laughs> I was talking too fast. <laughs> All right. Well, we appreciate your call. Okay. Let's right. go. Let's go to Larry next. Larry's in Seymour. Larry. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Sure. I appreciate it. Uh, I live in the country, but I've got two pecan trees. Uh, they're 12 years old. I think this year they'll start on their 13th year. They're about 7 inches in diameter at the base, but they've never had any pecans on them yet. All right. Have Do you know what variety of pecans they are? Is it something you bought, uh, a named variety, or did you just plant some seed? No, I bought these from the Bologna Nursery, and I just bought them as a pecan tree, and I don't think they give me a name for them. Well, they may have grown them from seed, in which yeah. case you may have a may, uh, uh, enough uh, cross-pollination there to do the job. Uh, have they started to bloom yet? Uh, did they bloom not, last not, spring? Not, no, they didn't bloom last spring. All right. What the bloom looks like is a bunch of little hanging down uh, filaments, green, uh, off the... Uh, outer twigs, and uh, when they both bloom, if they were grown from seed, there's probably enough genetic difference that they'll cross-pollinate, and you'll do fine. If they uh, are both the same variety, that is, grown from cuttings or something, and are each actually the same plant, uh, 
then you're going to have to find a third variety and plant it, or a different variety and plant it, so you'll get cross-pollination. Sometimes hickory trees will pollinate uh, uh, pecans. Well, we have a large amount of white oak, uh, chestnut oak, uh, some hickory, and my uncle, two miles from here, he has pecan trees, and he just grows lots of them. Well, um, chances are, if you haven't seen any bloom on yours yet, they may just be taking their time about... Because uh, they have to get pretty good size to... Yes, they do. Okay. Um, okay. Be well, sure... We'll, we'll just keep anxiously yep. awaiting <laughs> annually to see what I get. There. You've right. got the proverbial late bloomers. Yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah. Don't give up. All right. Okay, well, thank you so much. Absolutely, Larry. Thanks a lot. All right, we have Ann from Nashville. And, Ann, we only have two minutes to go, so keep your question short if you could. Ann? Think about us being rezoned to hardiness zone six from five. And I'll take my answer off the air. Okay. Thank you. I know the way the weather has been, uh, we are we're marketing and selling a lot of Zone Six because they seem to do quite well in our area since we have not had drastic winters. So, a lot of Zone Six plants are we found will grow in this area, but don't don't go too hog wild. You know, try try one and take good care of it in the winter. It's important on borderlands. Uh, six to make sure they're watered throughout the winter. Okay, and we're going to go very quickly to Pat from Bloomington. It's our last question of the day. We only have one minute to go. Nope. No, we lost her. Okay, I guess we're I guess we're done. <laughs> that was abrupt. <laughs> That's right. Sorry, Pat. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Don. Uh, one thing that we haven't brought up: we talked about the problem with the tulip poplar. Mm-hmm. Another. A bigger problem is in, in this area is the emerald ash borer. It has been located in Monroe County, and if you have ash trees, you need to consider treating them. Uh, they can be treated with a systemic, which will last the season, or can be treated with the, be injected, which will last a couple years. But uh, if you don't start treating these trees, uh, the ash trees are going to be gone. Okay, we are out of time. Thank you so much uh, to all of our callers and to Helen May and Don Adams. And just like usual, you guys were great today for Mary Catherine Carmichael, producer Gretchen Frazee, and sitting in for Gretchen was John Bailey today, and also Emily Wright. Uh, and and Mike Pashkash, our engineer, is always here with us. Thanks to everybody, uh, and thanks for listening. Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net.